0: Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions, please email us at info at If you would like to support this ministry financially, visit us at capitalchristian.com and click the Give button in the top right corner. Love you guys so much. So good to be home in Boise, Idaho. And uh, spent almost the same amount of years here as I did in California. Spent 18 years in California. Spent the last 16 here in Boise. And as of two and a half months ago... We are now residents back in Southern South Orange County, and uh, it's good to see everybody. I missed all of you. You look good. Everyone looks like they lost weight. <laughs> Come on, you're gonna like this preacher right here. Hey, you lost weight, got younger. I don't know if you got Botox, facelifts. You guys look good, and uh, just so good to be back. Uh, we flew in the other night, and just just kind of a myriad of emotions coming home. And uh, Pastor Jude started a church. He's one of my mentors from uh, Seattle, Washington. And he started, uh, took over a church in Ventura, California. And he said the first year, every time he flew back to Washington, he would cry. And uh, I, I now understand what he's talking about, because you feel like you're home, but you're not home. And uh, I just feel like I'm so, so encouraged to see everybody. Pastor Chris and Kelly are doing an amazing job. Come on, give me a hand clap this morning. Amazing job here in Boise. They're having twins. Come on. Hey. The Lord gave them double for their trouble, and uh, so excited for them, and, and Pastor Ken and Connie are just the best of the best. I want to let you know that, that, that your leaders here, Pastor Chris and Kelly and, and Pastor Ken and Connie, really, uh, they exemplified wisdom and kindness and grace and generosity to us in this whole process. Really difficult, as you can imagine, when grandkids are involved. Come on. <laughs> it's like, you guys can leave, but just leave your kids. And... Uh, we, uh, we just are so blessed to, uh, to be able to navigate this hard season of life, challenging season of life, with some of the best leaders a church could have. And so I think it'd be appropriate one more time to give our pastors, come on, a big hand clap. We love you guys. Uh, it's good to be back. I have a message I want to share with you this morning, and I just want to let you know we are doing well in Orange County. We've been in there for two months. We have almost 100 people that are interested in the church. And we started kind of from scratch. So if you have any friends, uh, send them our way. Because we don't. We don't have any friends yet. So uh, keep sending your friends our way. I appreciate the horns. Sent one of their good friends. Came to our last interest meeting. And so if you have any friends in Orange County, please just say, hey, there's a great church. Uh, good looking pastor. He works out, you know. Tell them what you got to tell him, you know what I mean? Uh, but I'm just on, on a serious, the, the church's uh, website is theoceanschurch.com, and you can kind of watch a video if you haven't seen it yet, hear about what we're doing. But yeah, just feel free to send that your friend's way uh, so we can keep on reaching people in Southern California. How many believe that God needs God needs to do something special in California? People say, Mark, that's a crazy place to go. I said, it's good job security. You're in ministry? Come on, you, you, you need to find some messed up people. Come on. So I got good job security in California. And so we're going to have a good time today. If you're new to Capitol Church, I'm going to go to Exodus uh, chapter 13. I'm going to read five verses out of Exodus 13. I'm going to pray real quick after that. I'm going to tell a couple stories. I have two kids, so I might tell a couple dad jokes. Is that right? And uh, I'm not a boring preacher, so if you find yourself at any point today bored, uh, I just want let to you, let you know you're, you're boring and uh we're gonna have a good time today. if you don't like to have fun in church you're dismissed <laughs> rest of us sustain. come on and so we're gonna have a good time today if he gets good in here I like it when you talk back come on it's okay to reaffirm the preacher by saying go ahead and say preach, preach teach I've heard some funny things at conferences man uh, but I won't share those today because it's uh not the right atmosphere to do that but uh if you got your Bible this morning, Exodus chapter 13, and uh, we're gonna read five verses. If you've seen the Prince of Egypt, you're in pretty good shape. Uh, but I wanna talk to you today, uh, really, I, I'm actually, I changed the title. This is a brand new uh, message that God's been speaking to me, and so I'm gonna share it to you today, kind of raw and fresh. Uh, but I shared it first service, different message, kind of a different idea, and I just felt like God's kind of tweaked me. How uh, to know that you don't, you don't read the word of God and get a word ready. How many of you, when you read the Bible, God gets you ready? And I just felt like God just even altered this for this service. I wanna talk to you today about moving safe. Moving safe. Who likes safe? If you don't like safe, I think you're lying. <laughs> because to be safe, it means literally, I um, actually wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. To uh, to be safe, it literally means to have uh, security from harm, injury, danger, or risk. How many like that? Come on. Who wants your jewelry to be? Who wants your marriage to be? And I think that there's something good about safety, but we, uh, I want to kind of play on that a little bit today. Uh, and I want to talk about moving. No one likes moving. Can we all agree? People say, what's hell like? I'm like, the devil, flames, and U-Hauls. That's hell. And you're just perpetually helping other people move. No breaks. <laughs> Selah. <laughs> Exodus 13. You ready to go? All right. Let's talk about this this morning. Uh, then it came to pass when Pharaoh had led the people, uh, let, let the people, excuse me, go, that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines. Although that way was closer, it was near. For God said, lest perhaps these people change their minds When they see war, they're gonna go back to Egypt. So God led the people around the way, the wilderness of the Red Sea. Which way? God took them the long way to the Red Sea and the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. He had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry my bones from here to there with you. And so he took, took them on the journey from Succoth to camp to Etham at the edge of the wilderness, and the Lord went before them, and in, 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 in this is the important part here, and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead. Someone say, to lead. To lead the way, and by night, in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. I wanna talk to you today about moving, moving safe. How many wanna move forward in your business with some wisdom? Anybody in the room wanna move forward with your family? Come on, with some grace. Anyone in the room, come on, you have a dream in your heart, maybe something God put inside of you, and you're not there yet, but to get to it, you want to make sure you do it the right way. It's really important, I think. We, we serve a God that makes promises. And I want to talk to you today, if it's okay, about the process of getting to promises. And about moving moving that way safely, safely. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for the opportunity to be home. I thank you for my mom and Ryan, my stepdad, my brother John, and my sister-in-law Bethany. I thank you for the great family that I have here naturally. And I thank you for all the family that I have in this church. Thank you for, Lord, these people, the, the way they loved us, the way they've supported us, they've championed us, they've been our cheerleaders and God, I just thank you, Lord. They mean the world to Rochelle and I. I just pray you bless them, Lord. Let it be a good day today in church, in Jesus' name. And somebody said a good old-fashioned. Can I honor my wife real quick? She, uh, she left every one of you guys, everything that she loves, and she, she risked everything to obey the voice of God. And it's been very difficult, as you can imagine, taking your family 780 miles away from where you grew up, and she's just done this out of obedience to God. She's done it with grace, wisdom, and I think it'd be appropriate. Come on, please give Rochelle a big hand. I would love you, babe. <laughs> safety, safety. It's funny that we live in an age of safety. I think it's funny, uh, I'll, be, I'll be honest, I have two kids, little kids. I'm a little bit worried for our kids. Can we be honest in church? I'm actually worried pretty much for anyone that's younger than 30 years of age. All the old people said amen. I'm actually scared. We might be raising the wimpiest generation. I grew up, I was a youth pastor for 15 years, so I'll come back to young people. But I grew up in the era of metal slides. Slides that would give you a first degree burn. You need wisdom to go on the slides. <laughs> Grew up in an era that the, the playground equipment was over cement and blacktop, not organic recycled tires. <laughs> Grew up in an era that we didn't have sippy cups made out of plastic. We had glass cups. And if, they, if you dropped them, they broke, and they break you. Grew up in an era, man, we didn't childproof our house. We didn't have locks on our cupboards. We didn't have plug protectors. How did you learn not to put your fingers in the plugs? By putting your finger. That's a one-time learning curve. You can't put a butter knife in there? Yeah, try it. We live in a different era. I I wonder, we we grew up in an era that one of the greatest sports of all time was on every public school's campus. Someone say (laughs) tetherball. Don't clap, young people, don't clap. You know what I'm talking about. If you're under 30, just stop it. We grew up in an era that we had phones with no answering machines. You'd pull a hamstring getting to the phone. Because if you missed it, you would never know who called you. You don't even know the joy of having a hard line in your house. My grandma had a, a black rotary phone. If you slammed that thing hard enough, it would ring. You guys don't know the joy of getting in an argument and going, forget you. Bang. You're like, forget you. I'm concerned for the younger generation. We have child-proof everything. I think the only reason I'm alive today is because of Flintstone vitamins. (laughs) That is the only reason why we have survived the 80s, the 70s. Thank God for Flintstones. So crazy, man, we we try to make everything safe. We wanna put our kids in safe neighborhoods, take them to safe schools. We want to go on a safe vacation. People only go to Mexico. You won't go to Cancun because <laughs> it's not safe enough. Rochelle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we live in like the safest place on the earth, right? And, and we just want to make everything safe all the time. I've just come to this conclusion that, that too much safety is dangerous. Too much safety is dangerous. And I believe, this is kind of crazy, but I believe the safest place to be in your life is in God's perfect will. But I believe simultaneously some of the craziest places you can go is in God's perfect will. What do you say? We call it a paradox. It means it means two different things simultaneously. God is safe, but God is dangerous. And what we do in America sometimes, we want to domesticate the King of Kings. We want to bring God down to our paradigm, our level. We want to logic and and reason God down to our our three-and-a-half-pound brains. If I can't fully understand God, he must not be good. But I've said it before, and I'll say it again. A God that you could completely understand is not a God to fully worship. Part of why we love God is that he knows more than we know. He sees what we don't see. He knows not just who you are. He knows who you're going to be. This is why we love God so much. And I love the story in the Bible that says that that Moses was leading three and a half million people and he led them for 40 years in a desert. They would set up their tents. They would make lunch. They had manna from heaven. They had quail. Quail was meat. (laughs) Kelly. I'm just kidding, she eats meat now, I'm, I'm just kidding. She used to be vegan. Um, they would eat, they eat meat, and it's, it's crazy that they would, uh, like, don't pick on vegetarians. Both of my sister-in-law's were vegetarians. I'm like, if you guys loved animals so much, why are you eating their food? Well, keep going, think about that. Um, uh, Moses, 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 he, uh, he led three and a half million people, and this is what's crazy. We read in the story that God could have took them a shortcut, but he says instead he goes, "Look, these guys take the short way. It took them four or five days to get there. These guys would see the Philistines; they're not ready for war yet." And so it says, instead, God says, "I'm going to take them the other way by the Red Sea." And it says during uh, the, the the journey, 240 miles took them 40 years. They were averaging six miles a year. I mean, some of you could have passed PE <laughs> if that was the requirement, like, hey, just six miles this whole year. <laughs> That's not far. And it took these guys 40 years, but it says during 40 years, God led them by the pillar of cloud by the daytime, fire by nighttime. And literally, if you wanna know kind of this, what this means for us today under the new covenant of grace, is the, is the pillar of cloud and the fire represents the presence of Jesus. It's the presence of God. And I believe that everyone in this room has something in common that life is always shifting, it's always changing, there's moving parts. The seasons change. You go from being the kids to being the parents, from being the parents to being the grandparents. And you go from being uh, an employee to being the boss. And just seasons of life are always moving, always moving. And I find many times people, you know, even recently people have asked us, how did you kind of come to grips with moving to California? What did you do in your move? How would you encourage other people to make moves, not just geographical moves, but how do you make healthy, godly decisions when God is asking you to change or to move something? And that's where I look at the life of Moses and the story of the children of Israel is it actually says that for 40 years, God led the people. And I wanna give you, if it's okay this morning, five, five, I believe, five great ways to actually move safely. To move safely. We're all gonna move. It's not if, it's when God calls you to move you're talking about like moving geographically. I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about you're going to move. Your job's going to move a little bit. Your, your parenting style's going to move a little bit. The way you interact with your spouse when you're on your honeymoon, as opposed to when you're 80, that moves. If you haven't noticed life is a bit of a moving target. Some people think that life is like getting on a train and the train takes you to exactly to the end of your destination. But I actually believe that life is far less like getting on a train or a plane and arriving where God wants you to arrive. And it's more like being in a sailboat in the middle of the stinking ocean and every day you wake up and you check the winds and you check the currents and you say, God, what do I do today to get to where you want me to go? We're moving. How do you move with wisdom? How do you move? with safety, I believe number one, if you're taking notes, I believe the biggest mistake people make when there's changes in life ahead of them is number one is they make moves and what they do is is they're led, they're led by the smog instead of led by the cloud. They're led by the smog instead of being led by God's cloud. I know there's really two types of people in Idaho. There's those that have moved from California and there's those that lie about moving from California. <laughs> if you just moved here, change your license plate. It's a little secret. Our DMV is normal. It's not demon-possessed like your DMV in California. I'm actually convinced many people, they moved to, they moved to Idaho. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not picking on anybody. But I actually believe that many times we make big decisions and big moves in lives based upon logic and what looks good on a spreadsheet alone. Actually, a lot of times we retreat the areas God's called us to transform. I actually believe, you know why? It's because we, we, uh, we want to be in a, a, a kind of a, we, we get led by fear. And when fear becomes your navigating camp, compass, you start to actually uh, worship the risk-free life. And I believe what smog is, you look at LA, Los Angeles, it's full of smog. And what smog does, it's kind of like an inversion here, is it clouds your ability to see far. And I believe what smog is in this context, what I'm talking about, is it's fear and it's faithlessness. If I give you some good advice today, don't ever make a big decision of where to go in life, what to do in life, predicated upon what scares you or what God can't do. What are you saying? I'm saying that many people don't you know we do is we want everything safe. So we're like, well, I have to move to this neighborhood because it has the safest school and the safest district and the best this, best retirement, best community, safest community, best place to live, so it smells this way, and best, 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 best. And I'm not against a good education. I'm certainly not against a good neighborhood and all those things, but I'll be honest, I think there is a farce in our society today that says if you're in the right place geographically or if you're in the right setting here or there, then you're gonna be completely and entirely safe. If I can take a moment to even talk about education, because nowadays, as parents, we worship education for our kids. Some people say, Mark, you gotta consider where you're moving, because what about the schools for your kids? You gotta be careful, you're moving to California, it's ultra this and it's ultra that. I want you to know that I believe that I'm raising my kids, not a California school district. And many people think that schools are gonna solve problems that only a godly family can solve. I want you to know that you raise your kids in the ways of God. You show them the love of Jesus behind closed doors. There's far more things that spiritual power can do than educational power. And I want you to know that if you expect schools to raise your kids, all you do with, with education without God is create more intelligent devils. Tell me, the greatest thing you can give your kids is a spiritual foundation in your house. That daddy didn't move here to play it safe. Daddy moved here because the cloud because God was calling us. I said no to that job, and I said yes to this job because of the cloud. That job paid more, this place looked better, but there was no church for us to thrive in. Getting quiet up in here. I'll be real, many of us, you know, we just make logical decisions. We're like, well, I'm frustrated by the smog, I'm tired of crime, I'm tired of this, I'm tired of expensive things, I'm excited. You know what we do is we make big decisions predicated upon what we can't stand. Instead of saying, God, where do you want me to be? You know, in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s in the church world, we are in, a, we are in an era of the body of Christ of retreating from culture. Many of the problems we have in, the, in America today is because the church is absent during the last 40, 50 years of society. People said, get out of government, retreat to Christian ghettos. Get out of politics, get out of media, get out of entertainment, stop making movies, don't make music, that's the devil's playground. And I'm just thinking, who made music? Well, Lucifer was the chief archangel. Who gave him instruments? Well, he, was, he, had, he had strings built into him and he had, he, had, he had chords and he had percussionary instruments and he had wind instruments. Do you know that we have all the things that the devil had? Well, I don't have a stringed instrument. Yeah, you get vocal cords. I don't have a percussionary instrument. You're a drummer. Well, I don't have any horns. You have a wind in your lungs. Do you know why the devil hates us so much? It's because we replaced him in the way that we honor, we esteem God. And maybe well, we, gotta, we just gotta get out of society, man. We gotta just retreat. We gotta go to the hills. We gotta homeschool our kids. I'm not against homeschooling. But if you homeschool because you're scared of the big, bad society, you're raising your kids the wrong way. I was strong right there. I'm, just, I'm not saying homeschool your kids if that's, if that's what the cloud is leading you to do. But if you're, if you're homeschooling your kids because you're scared of society, well, well what if the devil gets them? Jesus said, not one sheep was able to get pulled out of my hands. Every sheep you committed to me, I kept. I think sometimes we have more faith in the devil's ability to heckle us than we do in God's ability to keep us. Come on, if you're going to give God a hand clap, give God a good hand clap this morning. We serve a God that can direct us and protect us. What do you do when you make big moves? Is you let God's cloud guide you, not smog, fear, and faithlessness. Big decisions need to be made in faith. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm 18 years old and I'm not married yet. I'm 14 in Idaho and I'm not married yet. My eggs are getting old. My clock is winding down. Come on, we're in Idaho, people. Can I just encourage you? Don't, don't date a guy just because you're scared. Don't water down your convictions because you're like, well, maybe no one else is ever going to show up. I think you should have a deal breaker list. And you don't just go, he has legs. (laughs) He's got two eyes. Now we're doing pretty good. Come on. One out of 10 ain't bad. Can I let you know that I believe that we need to let God's cloud And his convictions guide us. And number two, if you're taking notes, I believe this, that not only did Israel, not only were they led by the cloud, number two is they actually were timed by the trumpet. Don't don't let the noise of the crowd direct the timing. Let the trumpet determine the timing. Back in those days, what happens is is when the cloud would lift from the tabernacle, it actually had everybody in the tabernacle, they would uh, start packing up their stuff but no one would start marching out until someone sounded the trumpet. I believe that the the way that we know when it's the right time is because four things are in alignment. Number one, you pray. Someone say, pray first, not last. If you only pray when you're in trouble, you're in trouble. A lot of times we, we treat prayer as a last resort, not a first response. I encourage you making a big decision, pray about it. We're gonna move, change jobs, change spouses, change this, change that, my gosh, pray. Well, I just felt like it, it just felt right. Feelings are deceptive. People say, well, feelings, just gotta, I just felt it, it just felt right. Can I just let you know, if I lived by my feelings when I was in high school, I wouldn't have graduated high school. Because 95% of the times, I didn't feel like going to school. I just didn't feel like it, Mom, sorry, I'm just gonna stay home today. Come on now, you don't live by feelings, man. This is like, again, this is like sub-30, like, really? We get awkward looking. It's like taking a cell phone away from a kid these days. They're like, should have learned how to talk to people. Uh, I'm convinced that many people, we don't realize this, but God's timing is equal to what he asked us to do. You write that down. God told Rochelle and I in 2008, put it on our radar that one day we would go start a church. 2008, didn't tell a soul. Didn't even tell her parents. We actually said, we will never tell her parents that we're gonna, we're gonna leave. If you want us to go, you have to tell them. <laughs> that's sound logic, people. Keep your in-laws, they'll, they'll keep liking you if you talk this way to God. And so they were on a vacation with really, really, really a prophetic woman that's good at hearing God's voice. And on this, on this trip, they're basically a conference for pastors and leaders, and this really, really prophetic lady that's good at hearing God's voice says, tell me about your kids, Ken and Connie. And literally a year and a half after God put it on our hearts that we would go one day, we, we died to it, a year and a half later, this lady goes, tell me about your kids. They said, Chris is gonna take the church one day. He just got married. They said, Tracy uh, just graduated. She's, she's in Washington, D.C., she's doing great things for God. And they said, and then our middle daughter, she, he married this incredible, good-looking guy, that works out a lot, and he's, I'm just, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, it's fun to like have the microphone sometimes, uh. <laughs> no, they said, they she said, yeah, he, they got married, they're the youth pastors at our church, 2010, and she says, where is he from, and they said, Southern California, and she said, at a, at a dinner table in Hawaii, at a pastor's gathering, she looked at my in-laws, and said, he's a church planner." your kids are going to go back to California where he came from, Southern California, and they're going to start a church that will become a movement. They came home from Hawaii. It was their initiative, not ours, and God honored our prayer. Listen to me. God's timing is just as important as what God asked you to do itself. Come on. Me and Rochelle are supposed to get married. If I would have met her when I was 10, we're going to get married one day. Might as well start dating. How many will be weird at ten years old when you're supposed to marry someone when you're 25, or in Idaho, 12? <laughs> kidding, I joke. I joke. I kid. I'm just kidding. I got married. When I was 21. I can say that. Uh, it was crazy. As many times we we really do believe that the timing is just whenever we want it to be. I believe we have to honor God's timing. So we pray about it. The second P we look for is we look for uh, pastoral in, or uh, parent insight. If you don't have a natural mom or dad you can go to, how about a spiritual father, spiritual mother that you can say, hey, I'm praying about taking this job, praying about dating this girl, praying about buying this house, praying about investing my life savings into this. You want another set of eyes on big decisions. Here's a good bit of advice. Don't get advice from people that stink in that area. Come on. Don't get financial advice from your broke uncle. Don't get marriage advice from your aunt that's been married 14 times. I'm not hating. I'm just, come on, to be honest. Don't get vocational advice from your unemployed family member. Get advice, are you hearing me, from people that know that area. People say, well, Mark, the timing. I don't know about the timing. Just timing's a big deal. And number three, this is a big one, is many times we forget this. When you're making moves, always center on God's family, not just your property, When you make big decisions, always center on God's family, not just your property. What do you mean? The children of Israel, you read Numbers, they camped. Some camped in the north of the camp, south of the camp, east and west. And this is what's crazy. When they camped, it actually, they camped in the formation of a cross. If you read it, they were north, south, east and west. That's a tough crowd. (laughs) It's a cross, man. In the middle of the cross, In the middle of it, they camped on a cross. In the middle of it, right in the smack dab in the middle, was the tabernacle of meeting. The tabernacle of meeting. Actually, if you read uh, Exodus 33, it says when Moses walked into the tabernacle, to the tent, it says the cloud of God's presence came down at the doorway of it. And God began to speak to Moses as one speaks to his friend. And everybody else, three and a half million people, stood and looked at the church while Moses was having church, and they worshiped God from a distance as they looked to the tabernacle. You know what everyone would say back in those days? Is they'd say, we will not make our home, we will not pitch our tent far away from the tabernacle. And I will let you know that the greatest thing you can do for your family is never make a decision based upon just a career move. Don't ever make a decision, just, well, this looks good on paper. It's a really, really sexy position and title. You make a decision only predicated upon is this a place that my family can thrive spiritually? What good is all the money in the world if your family goes to hell? Can I be honest in church today? Well, I'm making millions of dollars. Well, your kids are broken. I can't tell you how many times I've seen Pastor Ken just in my mother-in-law emotional. Because over the year, I remember probably 10-15 years ago, families would come and they just they already had their minds made up. We're moving to, you know. I don't know, Newfoundland, you know? First thing that came to my mind, sorry. Uh, we're moving over to Newfoundland, and we're gonna be Newfoundlanders, right? We get got this job, there's no church there. Pastor Kent's like, hey, have you, have you prayed about it? Yeah, we pray, we feel good about it. And we have all these spiritual things that we say to make ourselves sound like we're awesome. Well, I felt the Lord lead, I heard the prompting of the Spirit. And we have these spiritual guises to just manufacture that this is God, and we didn't get any counsel. Because remember this, you pray, you talk to your parents, you talk to your pastors. And then you listen for the voice of peace. I'm just telling you right now, all three of those could be clapping. If you don't have peace, don't do it. Because where God guides, there will always be peace. Even when it's scary, there's peace. Even when it's difficult, there is you will know the presence of God by peace, like you know the presence of darkness by fear. Many people go, Mark. I don't know if this is God because I'm just, uh, I'm just super fearful. Fear, but the Bible says He's not the author of confusion. God will give you peace of mind. We, we, we literally, we, we, we leveraged everything that we owned. We moved out of our dream house. We moved somewhere we didn't know anybody. We don't, we're all alone, 800 miles from the nearest family member, pretty much. And we're down in this area, and it's hard. It's difficult. You're trying to meet everybody and find out where the flipping grocery store is and where to get your medicine when you need medicine and where the doctor's office is. And, like, I don't even know where the nearest Starbucks. We're just figuring everything out. And one of the hardest seasons of our life... When your little three-year-old is saying, let's go to Papa's house. And you can't just hop in the car and drive to Papa's house. You better make sure that you have a word and you have a peace that you're following God's cloud. Many people say, Mark, well, I'll I'll be honest, if you could be talked out of God's cloud, it's not God's cloud. Because I'll tell you right now, every promise God gives you will be tested. And you got to make a decision that, look, I'm not only going to, I'm going to follow the cloud. I'm going to honor God's timing. And guess what? Number three is I'm going to make sure that I center my life around God's family, not just my property. Come on. I'm going to make sure that wherever I settle, my kids can thrive spiritually. My marriage can thrive spiritually. Can I give you good advice? When your marriage is struggling, don't go away from church. Well, I've been sinning a lot lately. I feel guilty when I come to church. Please keep coming. Where else are you going to go when you're sick? This is such flawed, demonic logic. Well, I got drunk last night, and I had an affair with my wife, and my life's falling apart, and I'm drowning, and so God's mad at me. Please. That's like going to St. Luke's and saying, get out of here, you're sick. What are you doing here with a broken arm? Get out. Get out of here with your flu. Get out of here with your ammonia. Get out of here with your cancer. Go home. Isolate yourself. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't tell cancer patients to flee from the hospital. You say, come in. We can help. We can help. We can help. Friends, if, if we can't come to church with our brokenness and have God correct us in this atmosphere, where else can we go? And church people, can I encourage you, when you know someone's living a crazy life, Don't give them judgmental eyes. This is a hospital, man. Fourth point, how do you make safe moves? And the band can come up here, I'm done. Just about about 20 minutes. (laughs) Fourth point. Is remember the manna, not just the money. Remember, when you're making big moves, remember God's manna, not just the money. I believe if Moses was here, he would tell you that everywhere the cloud took him, there was manna. Everywhere God called me to go, every assignment God gave me to do, there was always provision for what he asked me to do. You know, we we try to help God sometimes. We're like, well, God, we'll never be able to afford a house here, so I'll help you, and I'll move somewhere that's really cheap. And I'll be honest, man, I think this, you know what's crazy? I feel like there's like this blending pot right now in Boise because the people that originally are from Idaho are pioneers. They're strong, they're farmers, they just know how they're gritty. They came here to pave a way, they took risks, they, they, they literally bought the farm. And now you have another another troop coming in that are all moving here for a safer, easier life. And you have two societies colliding together. And I want you to know, Ida, if I could speak life into this church, into this valley, don't ever lose that pioneering spirit that says, we're not here to play it safe. We're here to follow God's lead. The goal of life is not to arrive at death safely. It's going to live safe. I'm going to pay off my mortgage. I'm going to golf every day of my life. I'm going I'm to watch TV 14 hours a day. I'm going to binge watch Netflix. I'm going to sleep after this next season. Can I let you know there's only two things you can't do in eternity? You can't sin, and you can't tell people about Jesus that don't already know him. You are on the earth not to retreat from your culture. You're not even here to relate. We've been in like this goofy era of the church that we're like, let's relate to culture. Let's get high with them so we can relate to them. Let's get drunk with them so we can say, hey, I'm I'm with you. You don't have to act like culture to transform it. And I want you, come on, I feel like preaching a little bit this morning up in here, but I believe we're entering into an age of the body of Christ that we are not here to retreat from culture. We're not here to try to be relevant to culture. God put us here like Daniel to transform culture. You know what Daniel did? Daniel lived in a foreign pagan culture. And even though he had a pagan king, he had the king of kings in his heart. And you can, you can honor the heavenly kingdom even in a, in a flawed kingdom. Daniel had the kingdom of Jerusalem in his heart, but he lived in Babylon. And I believe as Christians today, come on, God put us in a secular society, but God says, don't become like it, transform it. Do you know that you can live with convictions and not be weird? No, man, I just, what if people think I'm weird? What if I'm different? It's funny, we all wanna make a difference. What do you wanna do, man? I wanna make a difference. I just don't wanna be different. Can I make a difference? And be the same? No, no, Jethro, you can't. <laughs> if you want to make a difference, you got to be willing to be bold enough to be different. The whole bank can come. Whole bank can come up in almost twenty minutes. I'll be done. Fifth point. For, fourth point. Yeah, thank you. It's on my hand. <laughs> Why are you laughing? Out of them honor roll if I could have done this in school <laughs> I'm just being honest I'm, I'm just, that's where I was at God's promised land number five God's promised land is not just a place of blessing but also a place of battle I want to remind you today that God's promises are always attached to processes You know what we do sometimes? We get mad at God. Hey God, why couldn't you give, give us the shortcut, man? We could have been there in four days. God's like, number one, you are a bunch of slaves that don't know how to fight. And these Philistines are bad to the bone. You'd have got bullied. Number two, which you don't know yet, Israel, is you have the most powerful military on the earth actually on your tail right now. You don't know it yet. But the good news is, is that long way that I'm taking you on is actually right next to the ocean that's gonna deal with your enemies. Said that, I'm gonna take you a long way by the Red Sea. Why would God take him along the Red Sea? If you read the story, you know that it was the Red Sea that opened up. And it was the Red Sea that swallowed God's enemies. Can I just let you know that God knows what he's doing? And if God was to give you the promises that he has for you immediately, you would never have the muscle to carry it. God gives us muscles through the process of waiting, of travailing, of, of fighting, standing. That's why Paul said, having done all, stand. And when you have stand, keep on standing. I think many times we get so worn out, we have no spiritual muscles serving God on Sunday, Monday morning, you're like, oh, woe is me. I wanna let you know today, friend, that listen, God has, a, God has a promised land for you. And it's a land of blessing. But God, watch what he does in the Old Testament. It's foreshadowing the new, new covenant of grace. That he says, look, I promise you that this is your territory, your dream, your blessing, your favor, your destiny. But there's giants in it right now. And here's the good news, you're not gonna go in by yourself. I'm gonna go with you. But it's not gonna just be me. It's gonna be me and you working together to actually take possession of the blessing that I'm gonna give you. We want blessings without battles. But God says, if you don't learn how to battle, you'll never appreciate the blessings. How do you battle when you're going through a tough season? And I love this song, Michael W. Smith wrote it for me. It was really nice of him for this moment. And he writes a song. He says, this is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. He says, even when it looks like I'm surrounded, he says, actually, I'm surrounded by you. Every time I feel like I'm, my enemies are gonna cave in on me and crush me and it, the mountain's too tall to climb and the, the, the sea is too far to cross and the waves are too big and the wind's too strong. This is what he says. He said, every time I feel like I'm surrounded, I'm just gonna remind myself that I'm gonna enter this blessed place, but I'm gonna enter it through battling. How do you fight your battle? I'm telling you right now, you make, write it down in your notes. Make God big. Make God big. Psalms 37, David says, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. How do you make God big? You know what a magnifying glass does? It makes, can I just, Scott, come here. I'm done. You guys should have came to the first service. You want to get out on time. Watch, watch. Magnifying glass. Come on, go with me. This is, a. Uh, so big. I'm looking at Scott. I'm looking at Scott right now. Normal. Let's say I have bad eyes. Looking at Scott. How tall are you, Scott? five. Four, five, five? Okay. Um, just kidding, just <laughs> kidding. Like 5'10"? Yeah, 5'10". All right. Appreciate the confidence there. <laughs> 30 years old. Not sure how tall I am. 5'10". Uh, so here's the deal. If I'm in the back of the room, Jason Moore's in the back with communion. he's like, hurry up, preacher. I'm almost done. I promise. Jason Morris looks at Scott. He's 5'10". He looks small from back there. As he gets closer, to him, he gets bigger. You know what's crazy? You could take a magnifying glass and put it on Scott, and Scott becomes massive. Can I ask you a question? Did Scott grow? How do you get bigger? Because you magnified him. Thanks, Scott. When you begin to honor God through singing and through just being, you know what you're doing? Is you're not actually making the physical space of heaven and God bigger. But what's happening is God is becoming bigger in your eyes. Like, oh my gosh, my $20,000 debt isn't very big to you, God. My marriage is dead, but you you resurrect the dead. This is impossible with man, but you can do anything. The bigger God gets in your eyes, the more battle you can accomplish. Stand to your feet. Let's sing the song together. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Capital Christian. We hope you will stay connected by following us online. To find out more information, visit us at capitalchristian.com.